0: Good morning and welcome. We're glad that you're here today. We're going to be looking at the book of Judges, and we will be looking at a couple of different chapters in the book of Judges as we think about the life of Samson. And I want to begin very quickly by saying we appreciate so much your presence. We've got a lot of of folks away today, and our prayer is certainly with those who are sick, those who may be traveling. We want to continue to remember them in our prayers. We're very grateful for the opportunity to be together today. It's a beautiful day, and we're glad for the opportunity to be together to worship God. Today in our lesson, we want to think about the strong man who was weak. In the book of Judges, we read really of a number of instances in the history of the children of Israel wherein they would live faithfully for God, And then they would fall away. Having fallen away, God would raise up enemies to oppress them. They would then cry out to God, and God would deliver them. He would raise up a judge to deliver them from the hands of their enemies. Over and over and over again, this cycle continues. The period of the judges was a very dark time in the history of Israel in chapter 17 as well as in chapter 21 it was said of the children of Israel there was no king in Israel and every man did that which was right in his own eyes somewhat I guess reminiscent of the times in which we live a day and time in which people look to no absolute standard for how to live and how to conduct themselves. And so back in the book of Judges, chapter 13, we read about the angel of Jehovah, the angel of the Lord, appearing to the mother of Samson. And the Bible tells us that when he appeared to her, he said in verse 3, You are barren and have borne no children. But he said, You shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat any unclean thing. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And then note, if you would, the purpose for which Samson was brought into this world. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel was a man characterized in many respects as we look at the scriptures. As someone who was, as we would say, exceedingly strong and fit. Physically, quite a specimen. Spiritually, however... It's altogether a different story. Very weak. So what I want to do is to begin by noting the causes of his fall. Because when you look at the life of Samson, you have to understand that he was this man raised up by God to be a judge, to be a mighty leader, so to speak. He was going to be used in a very effective way, but sadly he allowed some things to bring him down. I think first and foremost, as we think about some of the causes that led to his fall, it begins with some regrettable decisions. I mentioned a moment ago the fact that when the angel of Jehovah appeared to the mother of Samson, he identified to her that he would be a Nazarite. And there were certain things that as a Nazarite he was to observe. Look again, verse 4, chapter 13. The Bible says that this child was to be a Nazarite before Almighty God. Of course, he wasn't to drink wine, wasn't to eat anything unclean. No razor was to come upon his head. Sadly, however... When you read the account recorded in the book of Judges, you'll find out that Samson was not true to his Nazarite vow. As a matter of fact, he violated. He ate honey out of an unclean carcass. In chapter 14, verses 8 through 10, it looks like he made a feast wherein there was wine. And so... He made some bad decisions by way of his actions. But then his associations. one of the things that really stands out in the life of Samson, he made very poor choices when it came to the people that he associated with himself with in life. And I guess, to really sum it all up, he had a weakness for the flesh. And so the Bible tells us back in chapter 14 that he asked his parents to get for him a Philistine woman and listen to his reasoning. Verse 3, For she pleases me well. God had said back in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7 that the children of Israel were not to intermarry. And the reason given was because as God said, Through Moses, they will lead your sons away from following me. So you look at the life of Solomon, you see a guy that was raised up to be a great deliverer on behalf of God, on behalf of the children of Israel. God wanted to use him in a mighty way, and yet he was weak, spiritually speaking. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the righteous should choose his friends carefully because the way of the wicked leads them astray. In chapter 13, verse 20, Solomon said, He that walks with wise men will be wise. But, he said, a companion of fools does what? They'll destroy you. Solomon, strong in physical strength and prowess. Spiritually speaking, extremely weak. And so I mentioned just a moment ago his weakness for the flesh. In chapter 14, we read about this Philistine woman that he wanted to marry because, as he said, she pleases me. In chapter 16, verse 1, he fraternizes with a harlot. And then down in verse 4, the Bible tells us he fell in love with a Philistine by the name of Delilah. You know, sometimes people don't learn, do they? How sad that people make mistakes time and again and never profit from those mistakes. Somebody said in days gone by, if there's anything we've ever learned from history, it's we haven't learned from history. And sometimes that's true collectively as a nation of people, sometimes that's true individually, isn't it? We never learn the lessons of heartache and sorrow. So, first his regrettable decisions, and then his reckless demeanor. Let me just say this Samson was reckless. With his spiritual life Look if you would at chapter 16 And really we're going to stay in chapter 16 now For the heart of our lesson In verse 4 the Bible tells us That he loved a woman In the valley of Sorek Whose name was Delilah and, Dila, and Delilah The best thing I could say about her She was devious Not only was she devious But she was deceitful But note, if you would, down in verse 5. The Bible says, The Lord of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. I mentioned a moment ago that Samson had a weakness for the flesh. He falls in love with Delilah. They play this cat and mouse game over and over again. And guess what? He's the one who loses. The Philistines wanted to bring Samson down. And so what they sought to do was use Delilah to accomplish that very thing. Her goal, number one, was to allure. Number two was to attack. And number three, it was to afflict him. Now let me just pause here and say this. Is that not how the devil operates? Is it not the case that the devil can use other people to literally bring us down? Look at what it said entice him. The Bible says the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is constantly baiting us and trying to entrap us. And so many times he does that. Delilah has one purpose, and that is to entice him. And entrap him. We're looking out for the welfare of Samson. And sometimes we play with the devil. And we think we can win. Well, Samson pays a heavy price. Now, in chapter 16, there are going to be a series of exchanges between Delilah and Samson. As she seeks to undermine him and find out the source of his strength. Three times she asks him, where's the source of your strength? Three times he gives her an answer that is not true. The fourth time, here it is, look with me if you would, verse 15. She says, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies now look at verse 16 I mentioned just a moment ago the devil, and how sometimes the devil can operate through people through things to literally bring us down and see if this isn't somewhat of a personification of how the devil operates in the lives of people note if you would verse 16 it came to pass when she pestered him daily First and foremost, I would say she was persistent, wasn't she? Three times she had already tried to find out the source of his strength. And you know, you think about Samson. Here he is in love with this woman, and yet he can't see that she's trying to destroy him. Or if he does see it, he just turns a deaf ear to it, a blind eye. And how many times in life? Do we fail to see that the devil is persistently, consistently on our heels? And rather than safeguarding ourselves from the evil one, what do we do? We walk right into the temptation. And so she was very persistent. In Luke chapter 4, the Bible talks about the temptations of Jesus. Jesus successfully defended himself against the Overtures of the Devil. And the Bible says after those temptations, the devil left him until an opportune time. Look, the devil's persistent. He will continue to come back and knock on your door. Why? Because he won't him. So first, he was persistent, or rather, first, Delilah was persistent, but then back up, verse 16 again. It says, when she pestered him. I just imagine. Over and over and over again, she's pleading with him and pestering him. Can't you just tell me where your strength lies? You know, sometimes we get beaten down, worn down, don't we? You think about how the devil works so effectively. And one of the ways is he just keeps on coming. He continues by way of persistence, and then he just pesters us day and night. And what happens? Note the continuation. She pestered him daily with her words, and she pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Now, you want to talk about a thorn in the flesh. Delilah was a thorn in the flesh. The problem was, rather than removing the thorn, he tried to play cat and mouse with her, didn't he? It cost him greatly. So I want you to think, first of all, about the causes of his fall. And look, when people fall into transgression, when they step aside from the commands of God, the will of God in their lives, there are always causes. There's a cause. Cause and effect. For every action, there's a corresponding reaction. Paul said, Whatsoever we sow, that shall we also reap. It's just a natural law, a spiritual natural law. Now, note if you would, secondly, the cost of his fall. What did it cost Samson playing this cat and mouse game with Delilah? Well, it cost him greatly. First, let me just make this observation. He was betrayed by the woman he loved. Is there anything worse than being sold out by somebody that supposedly you have confidence in? Supposedly somebody who is supposed to be your ally. They're on your side. They're a part of your team. The Bible says he loved her. Did she have his best interest at heart? Look, sometimes if we're not careful, we can Hook up with people who are outside the faith. And rather than being an influence for good in their lives. They become an evil influence in our life. And they don't have our spiritual well-being at heart. They're not concerned about our spiritual welfare. Matter of fact, they're doing everything they can to bring us down. And sometimes we're sold out by the people who are closest to us. You think about having somebody by your side that's supposed to be supportive. And helpful in your daily walk with God. And you've got somebody who is on your case day and night. And they make your life miserable. You're trying to serve God. And they're doing everything in their power to bring you down. Look again at what it said. Verse 16. She pestered him daily with her words. She pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Boy, I think she wore him out. She beat him down. So, his betrayal. Now, note, if you would, what is said in verse 17. He finally reveals the source of his strength. He told her all his heart. And he said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven... Then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. For just a little bit of money, what'd she do? She sold him out, didn't she? Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees. Called for a man, had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, "The Philistines are upon you, Samson." So he awoke from his sleep and said, "I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free." But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Now let's just think for a minute about the cost of his fall. Cost of his fall, the cause of his fall, several causes, specifically Delilah. The Bible tells us, the Bible speaks of his binding. Look at verse 21. The Philistines took him, and it says they bound him with bronze fetters, and it became a grinder in the prison. Here is a guy that was to be the judge of Israel. Here is this great person that God had used in a mighty way, He was to be a source of deliverance for His chosen people. And now he's bound with bronze fetters. Let me just say this: if you get caught up in a life of sin, you know what will happen? The devil will bind you. In Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, the Bible talks about those who are taken captive by the devil to do His will. They become his slave, don't they? When people live in sin, whether they realize it or not, they're in captivity. I hear sometimes people talk about, I want to be free to do what I want to do. I want the freedom to go where I want to go, to live like I want to live. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Let me tell you what, you live for the devil, you've got somebody telling you what to do. He's the one calling the shots in your life. You may think you're free, but you're not. Jesus said in John chapter 8, That those who commit sin are the bondservants of sin. In other words, they're captive, imprisoned. So we read about his binding, and then note, if you would, his blinding. Verse 21, the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. How much would you give for your eyesight? To be able to see is a beautiful thing. To be able to hear. Is a wonderful thing. To be able to get up and to walk and to conduct our daily affairs without any physical limitations, what a wonderful thing. So here is Samson. He's bound. He's now blind. And let me just say this, the devil, he's in the business of blinding people to right and wrong. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 talks about the God of this world who has blinded the minds of them which believe not. One of the reasons that we stress knowing what God's word has to say is that when you become mature in the faith, and you know what the Bible says, then as the Hebrew writer said, you have the ability to discern between good and evil. Look, the devil wants to keep you in darkness. And the best way for the devil to operate is to keep sin concealed. Our job is to throw the light of God's Word on it. So we read about his binding, his blinding, and then thirdly, his belittling. Note, if you would, what is said down in verse... Well, look at verse 24. The hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And and they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. They thought some pagan god was, was the cause for Samson's downfall. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has delivered him into our hands, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. Now look at verse 25. So it happened when their hearts were merry. they said, "Call for Samson, that he may perform for us." So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. Now let me just pause here. They called Samson out because they wanted him they wanted him to perform for them. This great deliverer, this great judge. Endowed with all this strength, our enemy, the one that has killed some of our very people. Let him come out now. He's a grinder in prison. He's bound. He's blind. In other words, they wanted him, they they wanted to make fun of him. You know what sin will do? It will make a foolish person. It will make you look like a fool, won't it? The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. You ever seen somebody tanked up on alcohol? And they get so inebriated, they're so full of intoxicating drink that they say things, they do things that they would never do in their natural mind. Why? Because they're they're drunk. And they act like a fool. That's what sin does to people. Sin distorts... The reality of things. Sin is deceptive. And sadly, many times, what do we do? We like Samson, we play with fire, don't we? And then we wonder why our reputation has been scarred or even ruined. So the binding of Samson, the blinding of Samson, the belittling of Samson, I think about people that have at one time lived productive, faithful Christian lives. They've walked away from the Lord. They've gotten caught up in a life of sin once again. And they have tarnished their reputation. They have hurt their relationship with God. Why? Why? Well, because of sin. Thirdly. Note, if you would, his conquest after the fall. Samson is going to demonstrate tremendous trust in the Lord. The Bible says that they had stationed Samson between the pillars. So Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. The temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. In fact, there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who watched while Samson performed. Now note verse 28. In verse 28, Samson is going to use three different terms, three different names for God. The Bible says he called the Lord. The name Lord in this context, in the original, is Yahweh. And it denotes the existing one, the self existing one. Similar to what God said in Exodus chapter 3 when speaking with Moses. And he said, I am, I am that I am. And then the second word used for the name of God. He says, O Lord God, in the original Adonai, which means sovereign. The fact that God is sovereign. He is supreme. And then thirdly, he said, strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God. The word God here, Elohim, which means strong and powerful. And he said, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. So he prays to God. You know, sometimes people have to fall before they can rise up, can't they? Sometimes they got to come to themselves and realize where they are. So the Bible says that he trusted in the Lord and then his triumph. Two things here very quickly. First, his bravery. The Bible says that Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple embraced himself against them, one on his right, the other on his left. And in verse 30, he said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and on all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. You think about the conquest of Samson. Really and truly, this was, as we would say, the beginning of the end of the Philistines. Samson... However flawed his life may have been, and jaded, was victorious over the Philistines through the mighty hand of God. And then I think about not just his conquest, but his crown, his burial. Interestingly, in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible talks about all those great heroes of faith and you know, when you begin reading through Hebrews chapter 11 and you read about individuals like Enoch, Enoch and Noah and Abraham and other great saints of God, you're reading about individuals who lived lives of obedient faith. They were, as we would say, pillars of the faith. Not flawless, but they were faithful to God. Guess what? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, the Bible talks about those who were people of faith. Listed among those people, a man by the name of Samson. Samson, in many respects, did a lot of bad things. Messed his life up in many ways. But his faith, Overcame. So I ask you today, if you were to evaluate your spiritual life, how would you grade yourself? Sometimes, physically speaking, we're strong. We've got a lot of physical strength and prowess. But internally, we're weak. What we want to do is be strong physically and spiritually. In closing, when you look at the life of Samson, what stands out to me is the fact that God can use us despite our limitations and our failures. Samson was, he was strong but weak in many ways, but God still used him for his purpose. And what that says to me is there's hope for all of us, because nobody's perfect. And sometimes individuals who ought to be mature in the faith, ought to be strong and faithful, aren't what they ought to be. But God can still use those people if they will humble themselves and turn back to God. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Do what they did on Pentecost Day, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. If you'll do that, God will add you to the church, Acts 2:47). If you're faithful till death, the promise is the crown of life. If you're here today and maybe through weakness, your life's not what it ought to be. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Because we believe what John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Won't you come as we stand and sing?